you're going to lose deals just because you don't even know what to do. But you might blame it on the marketing strategy that is not working. Marketing works when you're consistent. And that is the biggest, the biggest tip I can actually provide is just be consistent with whatever you do. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Justin Silverio. Justin is the founder of Open Letter Marketing, a direct mail company that helps investors with their marketing campaigns. Justin will tell us how to send out direct mail and why first-class stamps are important. This episode is great if you're just starting out and aren't sure how to effectively send direct mail pieces. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. Thanks for coming on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and how did you get into real estate? My name is Justin Silverio. I'm in the Boston area. Um, got into real estate. I was actually an accountant for about 15 years and um, always had a passion for real estate. My father was a general contractor for about 40 years, 45 years. So I always loved real estate, um, but I never wanted to be a contractor and I didn't know how I could get into real estate until I think I started watching the flipping shows on TV, HGTV. And then it really clicked. And, and um, it was at that point that I, was, I, I said, or I saw the opportunity to get into real estate, but not so much as a contractor um, and be able to take my accounting skill set and analyzing deals and use my basically uh, leverage off my father for his construction knowledge to really dive into real estate. So then what did you do when you first got started? I mean, it was 2010 when I really started looking into real estate and figuring out how I can get involved. And I saw flipping as a great opportunity. And I'm very conservative by nature. I mean, I'm an accountant, so most accountants are conservative. Um, so I knew I understood the numbers, but I wasn't very comfortable in the construction. And I kept on saying it over and over, and my father heard it a ton. And he said, you know, stop talking about it and just actually do it. And he's like, if you need my help, to help with the construction. He's like, I'm there for you. Let's just partner and do it together so you can get your feet on the ground and get running. And then once you're good, he's like, I'll let you go. So I was like, all right, that sounds good. So I knew it was up to me to find our first deal. So um, just a lot of networking with with people, um, trying to find good opportunities. And this was back in 2011. So really wasn't all that difficult to find a deal back then uh, on the MLS. So networked with some real estate agents, found a property, um, worked the numbers, saw that it made sense, and then dove headfirst into that first project, which was um, a very big undertaking for somebody's first uh, project. It was a ranch-style home, but we had an addition. We completely gutted the whole property. We had to do some work in the basement um, for water seeping in. So it was actually a very big undertaking, but... I felt comfortable because I had my father's guidance to show me the way um, as we went through it to to teach me all about construction and to understand the right way to do things um, and what to look for and all of that. So that's how I got started. And we continued to do that for about two and a half, three years until at that point, I felt really comfortable that I knew construction well enough to go on my own. And he said, all right, great, just keep going. And he's like, I'll just, if you need private lender, He's like, I'm here for you to um, to lend. So even today, my parents still lend on a lot of my projects. Um, 
and he still is kind of like an advisor if I don't know anything or just to check up on my projects. Now that he's retired, he loves to walk through and just to check things out. Yeah, it's always good to have that guidance to help you, especially when you're new, you don't have that much confidence. He can help you with all these miscellaneous tasks. Yeah, I mean, not only from the guidance perspective, but from the support. Um, he owned a company, as I mentioned, for a long time. My uncle's owned their own company. My brother owns his own company. So they understand the mentality from an entrepreneur. And the support that I had kind of in my network, I can't even tell you how impactful that was for me to really uh, you know, create, have the mindset and the positivity um, that I can do something. And um, it took me five years to do real estate part-time while still having my full-time job um, before I actually left my full-time job. Um, it just got to the point where things were busy on both sides and one had to give. And I knew that I would, you know, when I started out, I knew the goal was to do real estate full time and to have the life, a better lifestyle where I don't have to commute, go into Boston, miss a lot of events and all that stuff. Um, so I, I knew what my goal was and I was focused to get there. And five years after I started real estate, I jumped ship from my daytime job and really never looked back. Cool. So then how did you get into your business now? So you're doing a direct marketing company. Tell me about the originations of that story. Sure. From the very beginning, or I should say my second property, I found found my second property through direct mail. Um, I'm a big researcher, finding out the ways to um, identify different properties and uh, locate properties. And my personality, I am one that has to have a lot of control. And while I got my first deal through a real estate agent, I knew that I didn't want that to be the only way to find deals. And I needed something sustainable that I had direct access to regulate how much I'm going to put into it and how many deals I can find, right? I want it to be internal and not have to rely on other people. So after doing research and finding direct mail, um, that worked really well for me just on my wife and I could you know, type up the letters, we could, we could handwrite them at night, we could start sending them out. Um, and over the years, I mean, I always was consistent with direct mail, and I still am to this day. And as competition started to increase, and more people started to do direct mail, I started to look at different opportunities and different ways to do direct mail, um, through messaging, through um, imagery, the, the whole the creative mail piece, and all of that, to really get my responses to maintain or increase over my competition. So um, over the years, I just started working and trying different things until I had a really good system. And then um, it was at the point when I was looking to leave my full-time job that I wanted an opportunity to start another company that was more uh, cash flow, right? So I was looking at, um, I knew I had a great um a very unique approach to direct mail that worked really well because I've tested it a lot through um, uh, through the years and I actually tested it against yellow letters. And I knew that there was a huge void in the market. And I said, well, really the only thing that's out there is yellow letters. And I know I have this unique approach that from my testing is 26.7% more effective. That's how many more responses I'm getting over yellow letters. Um, I, I felt very comfortable that I had something great and that the the market really needed um, and that I could stand 100% behind because I'm literally testing my own product. Um, so with the combination of 
being able to provide a lot of value to other real estate investors. Um, and also from my side to create a business that's more cash flow than real estate. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of segue and kind of mesh the two together uh, to open open letter marketing. Nice. And how long ago was that? Did you start the company? Uh, January 2016. Okay. So about three and a half years now. And it's interesting with, er- with every business, you go through different patterns and um, where you put your focus is where it grows. And over the last year or two, um, well, really since I started open letter marketing, I put a lot of emphasis and focus on open letter marketing to really make sure that we're not only the best direct mail company out there for real estate investors, but always looking for new ways to get an edge to provide our customers with um, higher response rates than other people. So branching out and doing other things outside of direct mail, like using ringless voicemail, IP marketing, we're looking into layering text messaging and really create a, um, a whole marketing system for somebody um, because I know the timing of when to send direct mail and these other layering approaches, why it's the most effective, when it's the most effective um, that I can. That's really been the focus the last couple uh, since I started and um, and things have been just going really well and we're growing quickly. Um, so we're actually planning to move out of our space in September to double our size, um, our office size, which is awesome. Congratulations. So what are some of the Thank differences? You. Yeah. What are some of the differences between what you're saying that you guys are more effective than just the typical yellow letter companies? Is it because you're sending out different pieces and trying out, like you said, voicemails and stuff, or is there something different in the actual letter itself? Yeah. Good question. At the very basic level, um, just comparing, you know, letters to each other and like just a camp, a letter campaign, um, or even a mailing campaign, we have very unique style envelopes to start. Uh, they're very eye-catching. They're uh, fully colored with patterns. We use specific colors to instill different types of emotions from them. Like we use a lot of blue in some of our envelopes, uh, which instills trust. So we do things for a reason. And so from our envelopes, they're very colorful. They def- they stand out in the mail. And I get I get a lot of calls that say, hey, I'm not really interested in selling, but I'm giving you a call back because your letter... Your envelope or letter really stood out and I want to at least give you a call. It's those types of conversations that I love because even in that instance, they're not looking to sell. We can still have a conversation and maybe they know a neighbor that knows that is going to sell. Um, And it's just opening up conversations that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, In addition to the envelopes, the letters, um, we use our handwritten font is internally generated we just launched one font that it took us months for a developer to create that has, you know, all the letters are different. They ha- It has bleed marks. It has lift marks. Um, it is uh, authentic as you possibly can get. So it's a really cool um, font style. So doing things like that, making it look as authentic as possible, um, using our logo at the top because people can remember a logo or an image better than they can remember somebody's name. Okay, so again, yellow letters, usually a white envelope and doesn't have any imagery on the inside, just has somebody's name. I always look back and say, if if a person gets 10 of these letters, yellow letters in mine, who are they going to remember more? A name or an image and an envelope that actually creates an emotion. They're going to remember me 
that's where we start with very unique kind of mailers. And then over our campaigns, we don't just send the same mailer every single time. We like when our customers do mailing campaigns with us because direct mail is all about consistency. And we very much focus on creating a campaign that creates a conversation with the seller. So we don't just send the same mailer over and over again. We want to actually have a conversation with the seller. So as the campaign goes along, you're um, you're actually screening them out a little bit more because as we move along, we're providing them a little bit more information on the company, us, and how we can provide um, a solution um, for them. So by the fifth mailer, sixth mailer, they're going to have a really good understanding of us. And when they call, it's usually the quality of a call is much higher. Mm -hmm. So imagine I'm a new customer. I reach out to you guys and say, hey, I want to flip houses here in the Bay Area. What kind of a campaign package would you present to somebody like me? So again, your investment strategy, you're a new investor, you're looking to wholesale to to rehab yourself. Sure. Yep. So it all goes back to strategy. We don't just say, all right, just do whatever you want and give us money. (laughs) We want to make sure that you guys, everybody's set up for success. And we tell them consistency is important. If you can't be consistent with direct mail, we honestly tell them just do something else. And until you have money to be consistent, then you can use us. We're not just looking to get money in the door. We really want people to be successful. So if it's a new customer that's new to direct mail, that's new to real estate investing, we would probably first ask, what's your lead list? Who are you trying to target? Because lead lists to me are very important, especially when you're new. You don't have much money to spend or you have a limited budget. So you want to make sure that you're more niche list heavy rather than being having a general list. So we want to start people off on the right foot and say, all right, well, what list are you sending to? If they're like uh, an equity list. Okay, well, just to give you some information, like a niche list is a little bit better. And we would recommend that, you know, driving for dollars, you can do tax liens, you can do code violations, um, you can do uh, add in some absentee lists as well. We want to make sure that they come with the best list possible when they're mailing with us, especially when they're new, because we're going to set them up with better success. Assuming they have that all narrowed down, um, we also want to understand, like, you know, are these, is it um, entry-level homes, mid-level, high-end homes? Because we found generally people respond differently to different types depending on their demographics. With that said, we like to start people off with a letter campaign. So we would likely have people come in and say, let's start you off with a four-mailer campaign that cycles through handwritten letters and professional letters in a way that, again, creates a conversation with the seller. And what kind of frequency are we talking about here? We generally mail um, or recommend that we mail, they mail once a month. So if they have like, you know, a thousand leads or 5,000 leads, let's say, we recommend that if they're starting out, do not send all 5,000 at once because you'll be inundated with uh, calls and you're not going to get back to the calls or answer them in a timely fashion. And you're actually going to lose deals because of it. Um, so spread those out. If you want to hit them once a month, spread those 5,000 out over the four weeks. So send 1250 a week, every week and for four weeks, and then start the mailer at the new, um, the next mailer campaign. Mm-hmm. And do you think 5000 is a lot for a new investor? Like what size should they be starting out with? Even if they have an unlimited budget, right? There's no reason to send 100000 in one month. No, I completely agree with you. Start off small because if you sent out 
a lot of mailers, like I said, you're not going to be able to answer all of them unless you have right. a team. Okay, so don't and and you're going to learn. You're going to be learning over the the way. When I started answering calls from direct mail, I was so scared. I didn't know what to say. I was fumbling. I probably lost, you know, a good amount of deals because I didn't know what to do. So there's going to be a learning process that people have to understand. So I would not recommend going out and doing, you know, tens of thousands of mailers. We recommend if they're starting out, if you have a good niche list, really five to 600 leads is like really the minimum that we want for really good niche lists. If they're more general lists, we'd recommend at least a thousand leads to start mailing um, because again, niche lists, you're probably going to get their higher quality data. General lists, they're less quality. So you're going to, it's going to require more uh, leads to get deals. So you're saying for a new investor, 1000 a month is probably a good starting point. Correct. You just hit those same guys over and over again. So for me, what I personally do is I, once I start mailing to somebody, I never stop mailing. So I'll mail them for years. And, um, and the only time that I take someone off is when they call me and say, take me off the list or when they sold their house. Okay. Because I do a lot of upfront scrubbing and like the last list that I created, which was the beginning of this year, because I'm going into a new, um, a new market. It took me two months to create that list. Um, I have a list of 40,000 records, but of those 40,000 records, I have about 8,200 that are really high quality that I really focus heavily on for marketing. I have another 10,000 that are mid medium quality, and then I have the rest low quality. So I spent a ton of time on my lead list because ultimately I'm spending a lot of money over years um, mailing to those people over and over again. So I want to make sure that I scrub them up front very heavily. And then how often do you re-scrub that list? Because like you said, month to month, people may have sold their house or transferred it or you know, tell you to take them off. How often do you actually update that list? So I update that list every quarter um, for solds. And then I'll add to that list for like tax liens. I'll look over tax lien information again um, every half year. And then I'll add more people. So I can continuously add to the list um, because of new data or I'm increasing my, my geography. Um, but generally, I'm still mailing those people over and over again. And those are the best calls when I get a call from somebody and I see that I've, how long I've been mailing them for. Those are the best calls. I know that there's a time and circumstance that have changed that um, is going to be uh, it's going to be a very high quality lead. So I'm like excited to answer those calls. Exactly. And can you tell me the difference between the response rates from the letters versus ringless voicemails or Internet marketing? With ringless voicemails and IP marketing and text messaging, I always use them as a layering approach. I always have direct mail as my basis. And then I do these additional layering strategies on top of it. So what I've seen, the combination of direct mail, and let's just take ringless voicemail, for instance, um, I've seen increases with that layer, just that layering strategy, direct mail and ringless voicemails in a specific sequence. I've seen increases anywhere from 5 to 20% um, higher than if I just send direct mail by itself. So absolutely, it makes a huge difference. Now, the quality of the leads might be might not be as great, but again, it opens you up to more conversations with sellers to maybe identify somebody in the, somebody else in their neighborhood or another property that they might own that might they might be interested in selling. Got it. So it's not like an either or thing. It's like you always do direct mail, but on top of that, sometimes you do ringless voicemail or IP marketing, depending if they're probably a better quality lead. 
Is that how you determine whether to send it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why I do direct mail as the basis is because any other layering strategy off of that, it's so much easier to do it um, because you're going, um, you're basing additional marketing off of a uh, marketing sequence that you've already sent. So for instance, with ringless voicemails, instead of just having sending a cold ringless voicemail, hi, this is Justin from JS2 Homes. I'd like to talk to you about whatever. You can come from an approach, hey, this is Justin. I sent you a letter the other day in the mail. I just wanted to follow up, make sure you got that about your property. If you can, give me a call back, right? That has a much different feel to it and uh, a much more authentic feel. And that's all that we're going for is being more authentic in our marketing approach. Makes sense. Does it actually matter what you write in the actual letter itself? The only times that I see that it does matter is when you have an area that either really likes something or very much dislikes something. And I'll give you I'll give you an example. So I market to Boston, the Boston market and suburbs of Boston. In the suburbs of Boston, you you don't really come across a lot of people that are anti-development or a ton of people that are anti-development. Yeah, there are definitely some people. In Boston, though, uh, a lot of people, I would say it's very heavy that they do not like development. And the reason why is because developer some developers are going in and the few that are going in and creating very modern style properties next to very historic properties, people are getting very upset because it's changing their neighborhood and the landscape of Boston and the history of Boston. So people are very um, anti-development when it comes to that. So in my mailers, I always mention that I'm interested in purchasing your property because I love the aesthetics of the neighborhood and want to make sure that I keep that intact, right? So it's speaking to the uh, potential home seller and showing them that I'm trying to keep the historic nature of the neighborhood. Boston people do like to deal with other Boston people. (laughs) So I have a Boston... I have a Boston mailing address. So all my return mail goes to a virtual mailbox in Boston because I have a Boston phone number. Um, So all of that, you just have to understand your sellers. And if they have very, um, very important or uh, big things that they like or dislike and try to just adjust to it. Now, if they're just kind of here and there, some sellers do this, some sellers don't. It's really not at the end of the day going to make a big difference, but um, and it just so happens in Boston, they have a big preference on development and dealing with people that are in, live in Boston. Mm-hmm. I mean, you send out mail. I'm assuming you also send out postcards too. Is there a difference between either one, mail versus postcards? For me, and, and I get this question asked a lot, should I send postcards or should I send letters? Um, honestly, what I tell them is try both um, because I know what works in my market And in my market, letters work way better than postcards. Postcards don't really work all that well. The only time I send postcards is on my very low quality leads, and I only send them quarterly. Mm -hmm. Anything else, I always send letters. Um, And I only send postcards because I still want to keep in touch. And I know the response rate is not going to be huge, but I want to create my brand presence um, with them. So I still have my logo on it. But I know that postcards do not work well and I don't send them to good quality leads. However, that doesn't mean that postcards won't work in other areas. And what I found is actually there are certain areas in the country that postcards work just as well as letters. Um, So in that case, I always tell people, 
if you're producing the same results or even a little bit under um, for response rate with postcards, um, then use postcards because if letters cost, you know, 60% more than postcards, but your response rates are only 20% less than letters, then it still makes sense to send out postcards rather than sending letters. Mm -hmm. Um, So really the testing approach is what I recommend for anybody that really wants to narrow down and really be effective with their marketing is test a lot of things, track it, see what works, tweak things, repeat the process to really hone in your marketing skills. And that's for anything. Can we also talk about the prices for your campaigns? What does it cost to send out X amount of letters and stuff? It's all dependent on how much how much you're going to be sending. So depending on what people are going to be sending, how many times they're going to be sending um, uh, the mailers will change the pricing. Everything's on our website for the prices. We're extremely, extremely competitive, um, even though the quality of our um, envelopes and our mail pieces, you're not going to find the quality better than ours because we use thicker stock um, than everybody else because everything has to be, we look at all angles, the touch, the feel of the material, the look of it, uh, the quality of the, uh, the letter, the logo, everything plays into it. And we will not compromise the quality over just making more profit. We want these to work. So, but we're still able to be very competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess to give you an example, if somebody said, I want to send out a thousand mailers and do a four mailer campaign, they're doing uh, 4,000 mailers in total. So that's, that's what we look at where they're going to be sending out 4,000 mailers. So for first class, they would be looking at 90 cents. For standard class, they'd be looking at 73 cents. Does that make a difference? First class stand versus standard? Here, here's what I would say. The difference is, because a lot of people don't know what the differences are. The difference between standard class and first class mail, one first class mail is roughly 17 cents more expensive than standard. So it's a lot more expensive. However, first class is guaranteed by the post office to get anywhere in the country within... Um, you know, three to, or I would say under six days. Um, Standard class could take up to two to three weeks. Really haven't seen it take that long unless it's around like a big holiday or something like that. Um, The other thing is you do not get returned mail with standard class. First class you do. Um, So when people are starting with a new list, I tell them if they're local to us, um, and we can pretty much even time out the standard class mail, but I would say when they're starting out in a new mailing campaign and new lead lists, you want to send your first mailer first class because you want to get all those returned mails back to you to then further scrub, skip trace, identify where the people now actually live or take them off their list and either follow up by phone call because sometimes it's easier to find a phone number for them. Um So I always tell people, send your first mailer first class, and then if you want to reduce the cost, you can send a standard class thereafter. Just know that there's going to be a little bit more variability on when it's going to hit hit people. So again, people that are really trying to narrow down what is working the best and really trying to land their mail on specific times, they usually opt for first class more often than not um, because first class is much more dependable uh, to get there. I still use first class to this day because um, because with the standard class, 
uh, it does say like pre-sorted first class and there's, you got to use a power code and all that, but first class, you don't have that. Even though the USPS puts a barcode on every mail piece, um, first class still looks a little bit more authentic. That's a, that's a really good answer. I never heard that before. Most people were just telling me, oh, like, because it has a stamp on it instead of just the the print, it looks more professional. People open it more. But what you said makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You, know, you do want to get your mail back so that you're able to say, look, these numbers are not right. We need to go back and scrub our list or skip trace those return mail pieces. Yeah, and, and we try to provide that. I mean, we try to, try to provide that um, that information too. Like when somebody asks a question, like me, my whole philosophy is when somebody asks me a question, I don't just give them the answer. I give them the answer and then I give them why it's the why it's the answer or um, because the why is sometimes more important than the, the, the answer. And when you understand the why, it creates a, you know, a much more fundamental understanding of it. So when customers are calling in and they're like, oh, I want to do standard class, we'll always ask them, oh, why are you doing standard class over first class? Because we want to understand if they really know the difference or mm-hmm. if they just heard it from somebody else, so we can give, give them the full understanding. Yeah. Do you have any clients that are actually in the Bay Area right now? Yeah, we have some clients out there as well. Cool. So one of the challenges that we have here, maybe you guys have seen in Boston, but the typical list like tax liens, foreclosure, pre-foreclosures, those are very, very rare. And if they happen, you get a bunch of people calling them or sending them mail as well. So, I mean, do you have any recommendations for what to do if you are... Bay Area specific? A lot of very competitive, like highly, highly competitive areas. Like the Bay Area is, I would say, very competitive. Um, I would even say the Boston area is extremely competitive. Um, You guys can actually get, your data is a little bit more available online. Like uh, Rebo Gateway, I know they have like niche lists. They don't have that stuff for Massachusetts. So you actually have to do a little bit more digging um, for that information, which gives the person that does the extra leg work, the kind of leg up um, in Massachusetts. But for the Bay Area, I mean, for me and for people that aren't doing a ton of marketing, um, I would say the most important thing is like scrubbing your list and identifying and scrubbing your list, not only for the niche lists, but then overlaying all the lists together and identifying um, what leads are um, on multiple lead lists. So for instance, and this is what I do for my, my lead list, I pull all my lists and then I put them together and then I identify the, um, all the properties that are duplicates over multiple lead lists. And then all of those ones, I call them my super leads because a lead that is on your, you know, tax lien, pre foreclosure, probate, you know, list, if they're on those three lists and then driving for dollars list, if you have that lead, you know that lead is way better than a lead that's maybe just on an absentee list or something like that. So now what you're able to do is you're able to segment your lead lists and identify the really high quality leads versus the medium to low quality leads. And then from there, you can you can really market very specific to the, the quality of leads. So the high quality leads, you might want to you know send direct mail or cold call um, send ringless voicemails. You want to spend a lot more focus on those and then l- less focus on the other leads. So now your time invested is going to be have a higher um, probability to find a deal because your focus is on those higher quality leads. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they pass yeah. multiple filters, right? And so these are the best of the best yeah. of the best. Okay. Absolutely, cool. yes. So I'm wondering also, are there any challenges in your business? I've spent a lot of fo- of my focus over the last few years um, on open letter marketing to get it running the way I want, to be very systemized and the process driven. Um, that I've taken, uh, real estate has taken, I guess, a secondary seat. Um, so now this year, my focus uh, open letter marketing is running very well. We're c- continuously building out new stuff. We have systems and all that. So my focus is on growing real estate investing. And and over the last couple of, uh, probably the last year, I've been struggling um, a lot with being able to call people back in a timely manner um, from my direct mail, from my marketing. So the focus has been very heavily on, uh, one, creating I've spent the last year and a half, two years creating a very um, advanced CRM, and I use po- it's Podio based, a very advanced uh, CRM to basically uh, help me in not leaving any lead behind. But also, I've been um, very focused on hiring. So, um, so hiring for a lead intake and an acquisitions manager; those are the two positions that I'm filling right now. And that I'm working on to uh, to assist me in uh, on the acquisition side. Yeah, it's really good. I know some of the biggest investors in my area. They have like four acquisitions managers, and all they do is take in the calls. It's so easy to get a, a phone call when you're in the middle of doing something, and then they call someone else's letter, and you lose a lead. Oh, it's so it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And I had an acquisitions uh, manager for for a while for um, for about five months. Um, he just actually moved back. Um, out of state, but he was he was struggling to keep up because new calls would come in. He'd be talking to those. He'd have to go out to appointments. Other people would call up, and they'd just keep on piling up, piling up. So um, my biggest thing right now is getting a lead intake person to handle all the calls, to um, to screen them, to pass them over to me. I'll be in the acquisitions manager role until that person is trained up. Um, because I've been spending a lot of time creating procedures uh, for both positions. So a lot of my time has been on the procedural side. Um, And now that it's built out, getting that lead intake person up to speed, once they're up to speed, immediately hiring an acquisitions person, getting them up to speed, um, and then we'll be running from there. Would you ever consider creating like a call center for your clients? For example, you, they are um, using your guys' services for the letters, and there's a callback number, and that callback number is for a certain client. Some generic person in Boston or wherever can be just, hey, you know, oh, are you looking to sell your property? Are you looking to buy it for? That's an appointment, and then you can send that lead to the actual investor who can then go through. And that way they screen out all the hate calls and stuff like that. I mean, I have thought about it. I don't think I'd do it. Um, it's very heavy on human capital. And anytime it's very heavy on cap- human capital, for, it takes a lot of time from a management perspective, whether that's me or hiring a manager to then manage that side. And it's just not something that I'm really looking to build out at this point in time. I have, we're, we're going to be, we're planning to do other things within the marketing space to make it much more of a whole marketing kind of strategy for somebody. But the call center is not something that we're kind of really looking at right now. Yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of like we're flippers, but we don't want to be general contractors because then we have to manage the people to do the work. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. 
So do you guys have, do you have any last tips that you'd like to tell to our listeners before we end our show today? Yeah, I mean, just because we're talking about marketing a lot, whether you use direct mail or any any other form of marketing, the most important thing that I could possibly say is just be consistent. There's so many people, especially starting out, that I see that will start some, they'll start a marketing strategy because they've heard it from somebody else that it's working well, and they'll try it for maybe a month or even a couple of months. And then if they don't see results, they'll stop. And that's the worst thing that they could possibly do. I fully recommend that if you're going to start something, at least give it six to nine months um, to test it out to see if it works. Because there are so many other variables, especially when you're starting out, you're going to lose deals just because you don't even know what to do. But you might blame it on the marketing strategy that is not working. Marketing works when you're consistent. And that is the biggest, the biggest tip I can actually provide is just be consistent with whatever you do. That's right. Be consistent. So Justin, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they can they can shoot me an email at justin at openlettermarketing.com. Um, they're welcome to get in touch with me there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, they can get in touch with me there as well. Perfect. Well, Justin, thank you so much for your time and giving us all this advice on direct mail and marketing. Thank you. This has been great. I appreciate you having me on. Yep. Thanks. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. It's much better to spread out your mail drops because you won't be able to effectively handle them if they all come at once. You're also going to suck when talking to your first few home sellers, so spread it out. A first-class stamp will hit the seller's home in three days, and it allows you to get return mail. And this allows you to remove names off of your list so that you save money in the future, or it lets you skip trace those letters. And the most important thing is to be consistent with your marketing. Send them a new piece of mail every month and hit them with a text or ringless voicemail periodically. If you're interested in working with Justin's team, contact him directly on openlettermarketing.com and let him know that Sean sent you. Hope you all learned a lot. You can find the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.